Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family, before we dive into this podcast episode, I just want to make an announcement that I'm super excited about. We are finally going to Israel, and I want to invite you to come with us. Christy and I would love to extend an invitation for you to come with us to Israel. We were supposed to go back in October of 2020, and we all know what happened there, and we have delayed this trip for some time because of all the travel restrictions, but the good news is, is as of March of this past year, all the travel restrictions were lifted for Israel. All of the requirements, vaccination requirements, all of that sort of thing were completely lifted. So we're going to go to Israel in May of 2023. The trip is May 29th through June 6th of 2023. If you want to find out more information about that, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. But let me just say this. There are frequently people will ask me questions about when was the turning point in my healing journey. And six months after my late wife was killed, I was invited on a trip to Israel with a church that really surrounded me during that season. And that is, I can look back on, that is the major critical turning point of my healing journey. For the first time, uh, color was beginning to come back into my life. And I can't necessarily explain all the reasons why, but I think it had something to do with walking in the places that Jesus walked, learning about nuances of scripture that I had not seen before, and particularly seeing the theme of pain and suffering all throughout the biblical narrative and the historical narrative. And that was the first time I saw that. And so it really changed my perspective on this world, on God, on my particular tragedy that I was walking through. And so I vowed when I left that trip that I was going to take people back to experience the same thing that I experienced, to have some of those huge aha healing moments. So this trip is going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be enlightening. It's going to be healing. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be challenging. It's just going to be an amazing time. So Christy and I would love to invite you to come to Israel with us in 2023. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash Israel to find out all the information about this trip. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. And I'm Aubrey. We're so glad that you're with us for another episode. And Davey, I'm very excited about this one. A little I bit selfishly, because <laughs> I got to interview and have a conversation with our guest this week, September Vajri. I know. Uh, I and know. September Vajri, I, I've known her for a long time. She's the author of a book, Colors of Goodbye, a memoir of okay. holding on, letting go, and reclaiming joy in the wake of loss. And... Um, I I have known her because she has in the past led a grief group at a church in the Chicagoland area. Oh, um, but okay. part of her story, which she'll talk about, is she lost her 19 year old daughter in a car wreck. Oh goodness! Um, she was wow. just on her way to work one morning and just unexpectedly passed wow. away. Wow! wow. And yeah. so um, you know, like many of the stories that we feature mm -hmm. here, and the incredible people who who share their stories with us. She and her husband, Scott, and their kids have been through a long, yeah. long season of grief, still grieving. You'll see, you'll hear it in the tenderness when she talks about her daughter. Um, it's been, yeah. I think it's been 
uh, almost 20 years since oh, her wow. daughter died now. She's got grandkids and kids now. Yeah. I, I might be wrong about that. She'll say in the interview, but it, yeah. it's been a long time, but still very, very tender. And she talks a lot about how we kind of continue in our grief, yeah. but continue to to celebrate life that God has for us. It's a really, really powerful wow. episode. So That's, I can't wait for everyone to hear from September. That's such good context because I feel like that we we can often believe that at some point we arrive in mm. our grief journey and we're right. no longer grieving and that's not the reality and so I think it's yeah. I think people get surprised by that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When they're yeah. like, "Man, I'm 5 years into this thing. I'm into 15 years into this, 20 years in this thing and I'm still seeing this surface." Mm-hmm. And um Wow. I think we probably, there's probably some things we could talk about on the back end of this because we've had some questions that have been brought in. And so we definitely want to invite you to join us on the back end yeah, of this. Aubrey, I love when you interview people. It's love so it. fun. Wish you could do more of it. I know Me you're busy, too. but listen, if you like, if you like Aubrey interviewing, go ahead and give us a shout out. Let us know. Maybe it'll, maybe we can help. We can figure out how to get Aubrey in on more of these interviews. Yeah, that and would I, be, that would be so much fun. So I'm excited to hear this conversation. I know that uh, you guys are excited to hear this conversation. We're excited to lean in. So go ahead and listen to this conversation that Aubrey has with September of Audrey. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, It's Aubrey here. I know you're used to hearing Davey on this part of the podcast, but I kind of begged to be able to be the host today because I knew we were joined by an old friend of mine, September Vaudry. September, thanks so much for being here. Aubrey, thank you. It's so good to see you. It's been a a hot minute. Yeah, it has. So yay. Nice. Well, uh, before we dive into kind of the heart of your story and your pain journey, I would love for you to tell our listeners just like where you're from. What is life like for you right now? Yeah. Well, uh, I um, I have li- I'm living in Southern California, and with my husband of 39 ish years, we have uh, uh, five grown kids and um, uh, four grandkids. Oh, fun! And- they're awesome. In fact, I just got to, I just left a, a four day trip with them. I, was, I babysat for them while my, our, our oldest son was on a wonderful trip with his wife. So that was fun. But anyway, yeah, we're, so we're down here. We sent the kids to California for college. My husband's from the Bay area. They fell in love with California. Yeah. He's always wanted to move back. He's a hot weather guy. And uh, so after, you know, most of my adult life, either in Washington state or the Chicago area uh, with all the beautiful seasons, I am now in Palm Tree. <laughs> Land, and my husband is uh, a happy man, and I'm happy September. just here. Today, so it's worked out super. Well. It works out for everybody. I am yeah. a little bit jealous of you. Like we're in the Chicago area, which is how you and I yes. know each other. And yeah. I, I'm still like, Lord, send us to Florida or California <laughs> or Colorado, like out of the Midwest. I don't care where it is, but I want to go there. Well, you do so. have fireflies and you have thunderstorms. Yeah, and like you know, That's there's true. some beautiful things about the Midwest that we really do miss. Do you uh, miss as, those things? And, uh, yeah, and the people. I mean, gosh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with us. I'm glad you're getting to live your California dream. Um, so September, I, you know, just to dive in here, I know part of your story, but I know our listeners aren't necessarily all familiar. So why don't you just take us back as far as you want to and take as much time as you want and just kind of begin to enter into your, you know, your pain journey. I know it's a big one. And yeah, it's, and uh, you know, you don't live to be my age without having had probably more than one season of pain. And so, yeah, uh, that's true for, for me as well. But, uh, the, the, 
probably the most um, life altering one uh, is that our, our middle daughter, Katie, uh, passed away at 19. Mm. And um, uh, so that's the, the journey I ended up writing. Uh, it didn't start out as a book. It ended up as a book, but it started out as me yeah. processing my grief. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I ended up writing Colors of Goodbye as just kind of a three-year window of what it looks like uh, to lose a child. Which is a beautiful book, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt uh, you. But oh, no. Book. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. So Katie uh, um, was home from her freshman year of college and it was the first day of her summer job. And on, while driving to work, there was a, just a terrible car accident, totaled her vehicle and another vehicle. Hmm. Um, and, uh, we later learned she had actually had a ruptured cerebral aneurysm while she was driving and she mm. passed out over the wheel, swerved into the oncoming car that wow. T-boned her. Wow. Uh, they revived her at the scene. Thankfully, the other driver had some scratches from his airbags, but was okay. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, so they revived her at the scene. Uh, Scott and I, you know, raced to the local hospital when we got the phone call that every parent dreads, you know, and, uh, I mean, it's, it, that whole hospital thing ended up being quite a journey of its own, which I is in, in detailed in the book. My husband, yeah. we were currently both of us working in ministry at a large church in the Chicago area. Um, but my husband, uh, uh, was a retired emergency room physician. And I so, didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, He's okay. an ear dog. <laughs> Wow. He's back in I must have now, known actually. that and just forgotten it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, and the little tiny hospital where she was taken was ill-equipped for the severity of her injuries. And Aww. so it ended up being, uh, now it turns out that would not have made a difference in her outcome. Okay. Uh, the the okay. level, the aneurysm, the level of her bleed was, she was basically brain dead mm. <laughs> almost immediately, but we didn't know that. And so yeah. we're fighting for her, you know, and, but about of nine o'clock that, yeah, for sure. Um, and she coded three times and my husband ends up running the code. Like it was just a hot mess. Uh, uh, but, uh, by about nine o'clock that night, the neurosurgeon, after many tests and, you know, getting her semi-stabilized, um, they, they had done a brain function test and determined that she mm -hmm. was brain dead. And uh, so that began a journey uh, that you know, no, uh, you know the worst, the worst thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. And actually, I should I shouldn't say it is the worst thing because this I, I've I've heard now you know 14 years later I've dealing with people who are in seasons of grief has become a pretty big part of my life mm -hmm. and I have heard so many stories and the thing about Katie's death. I think it's the worst because it took Katie. It took Katie, you know? Yeah. And any parent can relate to that. Like, there's nothing like that one kid, you know? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've heard some horrific stories that are much mm -hmm. more complicated when it comes, pardon me, mm -hmm. when it comes to grieving. Katie's death was instant and innocent. Yeah, right. So right. I, I don't want to say it's the worst. And we try not to quantify pain anyway. Because of everybody... Everybody's story is unique. Everybody's yeah. ability to process pain is unique. Yeah. Um, 
but anyway, that began, uh, you know, the journey and I was determined in the hospital. Now, Katie was an organ donor. We're a medical family. My husband's an ER doc. So absolutely we're going to donate her beautifully healthy organs. She didn't have a scratch on her other than this massive bleed. Wow. So she donated, you know, everything that we could give away. The only thing that, that we were not able to give were, uh, her heart had, they had, she had coded three times. Her heart had quite a bit of some bruising on it, Mm. which would have healed within a few days, probably had they been able to keep her alive that long. Okay. Yeah. She was trying to go, you know, and we, we couldn't have handled that. So they ended up not being able to find a donor for her entire heart, but you know, everything else, corneas, femur, you know, kidney, pancreas, lungs, liver. So is skin from her back. uh, Wow. So uh, so, kind of incredible. This is, this is a small aside because it's not like I've made organ donation a huge passion point in my life, but I will Mm -hmm. say this, if you're going through a season like this, which everyone, it's just catastrophically difficult. Yeah. Man, is there some beauty in organ donation? And yeah. here's why I say that. Unpack not that. Only, mm-hmm. Yeah, not only because obviously it's impacting other lives who yes. you may or may not ever get to meet because they're right. all course appropriately. Sure. You know, you may or may not get to meet those people. Yeah. But it gives you time to say goodbye, which mm. I did not like that. Oh it, wow, I never because, would have even thought yeah. about that. I mean, otherwise it would have been your daughter is brain dead. Yeah. And now you have to pull the plug, you know, go. Yeah. Like, ah, you know what? You know, Right, right. And with organ donation, now it starts a clock and it takes about between 24 and 30 hours to mm. cross type her blood and put it in the system and find mm. the matches and notify the matches and get the matches in. And like mm. all the, all of that organizational stuff gave our family a sanctuary of time with our daughter that I will wow. just trust forever. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, wow. from a selfish standpoint, <laughs> it was a no, gift and that... I didn't recognize that at the time, you know. Yeah, what an incredible, um, I mean, that's an incredible yeah. insight that in the middle of that horrific devastation, like those hours, yeah. that that oh, extended time became a gift. her body and know that, you know, to get to say goodbye to her body, like as her mama, yeah, knowing yeah. every hand and yeah. like every part of her body, knowing what it looks like and yeah, yeah. just savoring it. It was a beautiful, Aww. I haven't talked about that part of it in a long time, but it was really very powerful. A treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful you got that time. And there is something, I mean, you just talked about a mama. I mean, you, you know, you carry her body as a mama, you give yes. birth to her and then you spend right. so much time nursing her, and holding her, and raising her. And yeah. 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 It's so precious. There is, I mean, this is kind of a, a tangent, but I do think sometimes we so undervalue the body as Christians. And mm-hmm. so just, um, that holy moment of you getting to like say goodbye to her body and look yeah. over it and remember yes. I mean, that's very yeah. that's yeah. very powerful. I can see why that that's making me cry right now. So <laughs> thank you for, yeah. for sharing that detail. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I, d- I didn't really get to say this, but I'm just so sorry for that loss. Oh. I just can't thank even imagine you. September. She was she was great. I mean, um, I, we're very blessed. We our kids are just awesome. And yeah, um, you know, obviously every parent 
thinks that, you know, and, right. <laughs> and so I, I'm not alone in that, but I mm-hmm. really, I just, I shake my head when I look at these kids, because Scott and I both, you know, have our own good Lord, you know, how to, you know, <laughs> ill-equipped to become parents, we got parents young, got parents young, but somehow by God's grace, the, mm. the different things that we brought to the table, um, yeah. those kids have mined beautifully in their own adult lives. And so, you know, uh, but yeah, Katie was terrific and, and, you know, loved God, loved people. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was her thrust. She was an artist. She was a, she was yeah, um, a studio that. art major in college. And so she left us with a body of art. Wow. Well, it's all in my room. It's all of our Is house. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's fun. To- yeah. It's so anyway, that September, I have a, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I have a friend who's, no, you're good. I have a friend who's got very severe stage four metastatic breast cancer right now. And she is, oh, her so time sorry. is, her time is limited. And so yeah. she is now going through trying to do some things in her home because she wants to make, she wants to leave a mark on her home for her family. And that reminds me of that, that like yeah. Kate, Katie left a mark for you, like a physical, yeah. Yeah. There is something beautiful. I, I, I uh, encourage your friend because that there is something super beautiful about that, Mm. about being able to see something and hold it in your hands that, that your loved one cared about it or created for sure. Yeah. So amazing. So I remember thinking, I am not going, uh, you know, that scripture in the old Testament with, Joseph saying, you know, basically me being thrown into slavery was intended for evil, but God meant yeah. it for that. That whole yeah. concept of something that is horrible. Yeah. That God means it for good. And I'm like, I'll be, this is mm. going to, it already cost me a child, at least mm. in the short term, because I do believe I will see Katie again someday. That's right. Amen. Uh, I'll be darned if this is going to take my other children or ruin our family or cost me the, the living children I have yet to celebrate. And like, mm. you know, I, I, I don't want to, wow. I, you know, and, and, you know, to be honest, I've, I've, I've met people in my work with people who are grieving, you know, who, uh, and I don't, I don't say this with an ounce of judgment because I've been there in some ways myself, but there it's easy to get stuck. Yeah. It's easy to get, because the pain is so overwhelming. You yeah. can't imagine anything beyond it and you have no energy for it. And all you want to yeah. do is sleep. And like, it's yeah. just, yeah. your body falls apart. Like it is very traumatic. Yeah. And, um, and yet if we can find ways to just continue to take even a tiny step forward, the tiniest mm-hmm. of steps mm-hmm. uh, and not get stuck and not allow yeah. uh, the death of a loved one or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever your version of pain is. Right. Do not allow that to become the, you know, the sun around which your entire world orbits, mm. you know, but instead to try to allow the, the, the pain of that tragedy to be composted into the soil of your life and, mm. and, and for beautiful things, new things to grow. It's amazing uh, September. What did um, that look like for you? I mean, I, you know, you have some perspective on it now that it's 14 years later. 14. How, but what did that look like for you to even begin to take some of those tiny steps? Because I imagine yeah. even like the will to do that was magnificent. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, early on, you're just in survival mode. Like, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the whole first year, I think, is a 
bit of a blur. And I think that maybe this is just God's protective fog he puts us in because it, like it's so wow. overwhelming what you're going through. And, wow. Um, and there's just, there's all these, early on, there's a whole bunch of death chores that can keep you busy. You have to order the death certificates and you have to put in the funeral. And after the funeral, then you have to decide what to do with their things. And then you have to, like, there's just a zillion, there's so many little tiny things that you don't even think about yeah. that give you some kind of structure in your life in the sense that there are things that have to get done. And early on, it might be that you're thrilled if you were able to shower. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you even you know, remember like, oh, I need right. to take a shower. Oh, right, what do right. I do in oh. the shower? Yeah, yeah totally. Right. You know, um, I remember about two months in after Katie died, you know, uh, the other kids, had, two of our kids, when she passed away, two were in California in college. My daughter-in-law, my son, Matt. Uh, and my daughter, Bethany, were in California. We obviously, we flew them up. They took a red eye. You know, they yeah. were there for a week and all that. But yeah. eventually, they had to go back to their lives. I had two kids at home. Mm. So suddenly, you know, school starts up. I, mm. I just remember feeling myself sliding into some kind of a uh, depression. And I'm sure. not prone to depression. Yeah. I mean, my wiring is not, like, particularly, it's not an area that I have struggled with, Yeah, but I could just feel this numbness creeping in. I'm like, I gotta do something. Mm. And I ended up going back to, um, I took on a writing job. Somebody approached me about a project. I'm like, well, I'm a hot mess, but if you want to, if you're willing, <laughs> right. you know what you're getting right now, right? You know. Right. <laughs> so they said, yes, bless their hearts. And so I, I, so suddenly at least three days a week, I had to shower and be out the door at a certain mm. time. And I had to begin to try to use my brain in productive ways. And um, so, mm. so that helped. So that was a little tiny thing. Um uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, uh, look for what are some meaningful um, memory, uh, memory uh, I don't know, like, like memorial type things that they right. can do for their, right. you know, if, if their person died of cancer, can we raise funds? Can we do a GoFundMe page? Can we, like their activism can be a way that people mm -hmm. keep themselves, although I've also seen that cause people to get a little stuck too. So like, oh, like interesting. Where, you know, they spend all of their focus on the activism yeah, which can anesthetize us from actually just having to do that grief do work. The and grief the grief work, work yeah. the grief work is just, yeah, it's no, it's not fun, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it's not easy, and it takes a long time. And there's no, you know, we often say I ended up with some other wonderful, brilliant people at our old church. We ended up developing a grief curriculum that was about eight weeks long. And one of the things that we would say is. Um, you know, um, it, it, everything is possible. Not everything. Everything is normal. Like all the weird ways we respond to grief. Mm, all of it's on the table. Fall, they're all normal-ish. Yeah. You know, yeah, I right. Mean, there's probably some that you go, oh, that's not that normal. But, you know, right. for that person it is, you know, whatever. They, yeah. But not everything is helpful. And mm. to whatever degree we can, we should be choosing the helpful things. The, wow. the things that help us face our pain wow. and grieve our pain. Um our youngest daughter, Timber, was 14 when Katie passed away. And she and Katie were so close. I mean, Katie Aww. was really, a, you know, one of this big sister, almost mother figure for her. And and that girl grieved hard I and fervently. And I mean, literally, I, I would pick up a, a pile of uh, spent Kleenex mm. off the floor of her, next to her bed every morning about this big. 
she would she cried herself to sleep and i'm talking about four months wow and then she kind of inhaled and it's not like her grief was done yeah but man she did healthy grief she just dove into it she just went there and it was such a good example you know and everybody grieves differently i'm a little more like that kiddo my uh-huh. other kids are a little bit more like my husband. Like I take big, messy bites. Yeah. And my husband takes small, purposeful bites. Okay. Interesting. And, and, and there's no right or wrong there. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like the marker days, like Katie's birthday or the day that she passed away or like those markers are hard on me in the sense mm-hmm. that they're emotional. Now I treasure them because those emo, this sorrow reminds me of her, you know, like it's like, I'm sad because I loved her, you know, of course for my husband, every day has its own little, like, like he just grieves differently. We all grieve differently. And there's a lot of right ways to grieve. The the point is, can we be taking, can we be facing the grief and not anesthetizing ourselves, Mm -hmm. even anesthetizing ourselves with good things. I mean, obviously people sometimes turn to, you know, vices or, you know, work or the kids or whatever to avoid the pain. But, um, you know, we can choose good things that will anesthetize us as well. You know, the activism things or the, you know, there's all kinds of things. So as much as we can be facing the pain, Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. I wanted to interrupt this conversation for a brief moment to let you know about a powerful resource that we have available for you. It's called the Pain to Purpose course. Now, I know many of you guys have heard of this, but in case you're new and you haven't heard of this, I wanted to make sure that you were in the know about this. Now, listen, if you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important Nothing is Wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11-video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this. I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces that were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm going to lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However, there are some common denominators that every pain to purpose story shares. And there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11 video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos and a fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is is very important to your healing journey. If the Pain to Purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling. But 
I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the Pain to Purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now, for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code podcast at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is podcast. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but you do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. Now back to this conversation. Obviously, you have a lot of kids, and I'm yeah. interested in we in the show before we've had parents grieving their kids, but you have a whole. I mean, this is a whole family grieving. <laughs> yeah, and obviously some at home, some like you said in college. But what? How, how did that change your family dynamic? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, first of all, I feel like that is the thing I struggled with the most, and I did the least well. Like, wow. so I don't want to. I don't want to. Say, say here like oh yeah man I nailed that I've, I've <laughs> all right I have a friend Joan who had there were four kids in her family her oldest child passed away and I feel like she's done a better job than I did like you know I hmm. so for me it was real. I, I kept wanting like this group grieving experience yeah yeah because we had all we, we were a real close family and yeah. I just I, I couldn't ask, for, I, like I was too chicken to just come out and ask for it and just say, I needed that. And so I would be, I would backdoor it or I would try to force it or like, uh-huh. it, was unfair. it was like trying to pry into an oyster, mm. you know, with my private children. And it was, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm getting emotional about this. No, it's, it's very emotional, September. I mean, it makes sense that you would be. Yeah. I'm getting emotional I hearing I, you. To so. this day, I still feel badly. And they've been so graceful oh, about you it. You know, they're all grown and they're fine and they're doing great, you know. Yeah. But I look back on that. It's like, wow, I really missed that as a parent. Mm. I didn't, it was, and, and I'm trying to too because I was I was a mess you know totally that's but, what I'm thinking like you're being a little too hard on yourself I think for a grieving mom you know but I understand the mom yeah. that mom guilt I, also, I think Scott and I both realized that losing a sibling as hard as that is is not losing a child it's, it's not different losing a child. A child. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and um there's something uh, unnatural about losing someone the generation below you absolutely you pour your life into you know Mm-hmm. So, um, and so to have the same expectations for my children that I was experiencing myself was not helpful mm. or realistic for them, you know? Yeah. So. Wow. But yes, yeah, it's interesting. Been hard. It's very interesting. My daughter-in-law, Matt and Andrea, Matt, Matt's our oldest kiddo. And Matt and Andrea had been married about 10 months when Katie passed away. And Katie okay. loved Andrea dearly. And, you know, I love Andrea dearly. I mean, she's fantastic. And I call her my grief twin because like, Aww. like she and I grieve similarly in, mm. in our style, if there is a, such a thing as a yeah. style. Yeah. And, um, and she's cut in a way she's once removed, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's not the yep. sibling. She's the sibling-in-law. Yep. And so it gives her some objectivity. But she has said, Mom, you have no idea how much this experience has changed our family for the, for the better. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, really? Because I feel like, like it happened so slowly over years after Katie passed away. But she's yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Um, just in terms of our, uh, you know, um, depth, I, I think probably, I don't know if that's the word she that would use, sense. but that's how she describes it, I think. Wow. And yeah, I, I think that um, beautiful things did come from it. And my commitment in the hospital in that moment of like, I'm, I'll be dang if I'm going to let yeah. the evil one turn this into mm. death for the individuals in this room. Gosh, good no, my go- My daughter's gone, but to whatever degree... I can have a hand in it. This is yeah. not going to cost us our family. And wow. it hasn't. Um, wow. You know, so, and wow. it's still hard. I still wish that we would talk about Katie more as a group than we do, you know. Yeah, that um, was that was a I mean, question I up. had. It like, does up, Katie come course, up? Like, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and, you know, my youngest kid is going to be 30. And Katie was 18 or 19 when she died. So yeah. an entire lifetime has gone on wow. without her. Wow. And... So, you know, there are just some things that you will continue to have to grieve, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Until you get to see her again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did it impact your marriage? I imagine it must have. Uh, You know, it's interesting because I think death of a child is one of the things that ranks real high on psychologists in terms of being Mm -hmm. real hard on marriages. And you hear a lot of death of a child being, you know, the impetus for divorce. I think with Scott and I, Scott and I had already been through a really painful marital season. Hmm. And of course, of course it takes two, you know, I don't want to say, you know, all one person, but I will say the lion's share of it was on me and my unprocessed, uh, it's a very unprocessed person. (laughs) So I've been to a a lot of therapy work (laughs) and, um, and obviously he, you know, he as well has done work. Um, so we've already been through a super hard season. So we okay. were a family. So people would say, you know, why you, you know, I'm mm. like, well, why not us? Like we already know how to do pain. Wow. And, and, uh, now this is a different kind of pain. I wouldn't, I, I'm not saying please send more pain. My right. Way. right. <laughs> uh, enough is enough already, but, but, yeah, um, really. but yeah, I, I, to, I mean, to be honest, the honest answer is no, it did not negatively affect my relationship. Praise God for that. God. I mean. I, yeah. I, I think that we had done our tour of duty already. We had mm-hmm. already, um, we already, we functioned as we're, we're super different. He and I, like every, you know, every like Myers-Briggs or any, yeah. other, like any, any personality assessment, like he'll be this and I'm this. He'll be this and I'm this. Like, we are so opposite. And so different. Yeah, that's me and my husband He's too. A, yeah. I mean, I think it's often the case, right? Right. Um, and so between the two of us, we cover a lot of ground. And we had, yeah. uh, from very early on in the, in the hospital, like, you know, we, the, the red-eyed kids got there from the airport. We had some time with Katie. Those kids needed sleep. And they needed, mm-hmm. everybody needed to shower. We all needed to eat. Well, all this stuff needed to happen. And it was going to be... Katie was going to be taken to her, her organ donation surgery around 
12 or 12.30 that night on okay. Sunday night. So they all arrived Sunday like at 4 in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. She died on a Saturday. The car accident was on a Saturday. Okay. The ambulance okay. was on a Saturday. So Sunday, uh, Scott looks at me and he said, I absolutely have to get out of here. I said, the, he said, you know, the kids need a shower. They need to sleep. I said, they need to eat. He said, I am going to explode if I, I need to go in the backyard and ball. Mm, and wow. I, he said, and he said, I absolutely have to leave. And I said, I get it. And I absolutely have to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And wow. I'm people pleasy in the, mm-hmm. in general. And I love it when my kids are home and I was, I'm just the kind of mom who wants to go and make the breakfast and comfort everybody and make yeah. the beds up. And I knew I could not leave my girl. No, of course they could. And Scott said, absolutely, you can't leave. We're going to tag team this. He took mm-hmm. all the kids home. They did all the things that they needed to do. Wow. So and I began my vigil with Katie. And then they came back. Scott came back that afternoon. Then the whole gang came back that night. And we said our goodbyes. But we knew from the beginning we have to allow ourselves the space to grieve the way that is right for each of us. Yeah, yeah. That's so beautiful. Give each other the freedom and permission to do that. We had to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a marathon and you can't, to whatever degree, we cannot expect the other person Mm. uh, to grieve like us Mm. or to have the same Mm. needs and grief as as we do. I think it sets us up well to, to, to grieve healthily. I wonder if there is a book on, maybe you need to write this, the different styles of grief and giving people the permission to do that. Yeah, I feel like yeah. It's really important, really important. Yeah. So, at, you know, September, I, I don't want to rush through your story, but I do, you know, at some point, I, I feel like I came into contact with you because I knew you were doing this grief work at your yeah. old church. Uh-huh. And so at some point, like yeah. ministry was born from this horrific thing. Yeah, which is very yeah. nothing is wasted. Where yeah, where did nothing. God begin to like meet you and and move you? Yeah, in that. You know, it's it's interesting. I I we already had a a beautiful grief workshop at our church um, that had been volunteer run for many years and had helped a ton of people. So there was already a foundation there with an amazing team of volunteers. And they began asking me, could you, could you teach a session on such and such? Or could you, Mm. so I started to teach maybe one class here and there, but eventually what happened was that department, um, I, I was on staff at, at, uh, in the communications department. Um, eventually I left that team and joined the pastoral response departments, pastoral care, if you would, okay. is what most people would call that department of a church. Yeah. And that's where that workshop was housed. And I began working on that workshop there. Okay. And over the next several years, um, we began really uh, at the time that we stepped into it, it was basically a bunch of, for the most part, a bunch of one-off topics, but there wasn't maybe cohesion or yeah. we're taking people from here to here. Okay. This is, there wasn't a lot of, here's what we are, here's what we aren't maybe, you know, like there was just, you know, again, it had been beautifully led by this amazing woman who did it for many years and continued on for a while after we mm-hmm. stepped in. But, but we it did, we did end up bringing a lot more, um, perhaps some psychological health or not health. Like that implies that the other stuff wasn't healthy. Right. 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 A little more intention. Intentional, intentional about the psychology of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just became a deep 
love for me. And I, uh, wow. so I ended up, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's an eight week workshop called rebuild. It still is, is going strong. I understand it. Well, we, we're not there anymore. We live in California now, but yeah. Um, I mean, it's just been a powerful thing. And every time I teach, I, I grieve, like I walk away knowing that my grief process is a little bit healthier having once mm. again. And, and to be honest, Aubrey, after today, yeah, I'll probably go out in my backyard and exhale, and I'll know I did a little bit of grief work because it's what yeah. we do. We we grieve together. People who, you know, my my team, and my old team at, at the church, uh, you know, they used to laugh, and I would say, "People in pain are my favorite." Right, my right, favorite. right. It's so true. There's something <laughs> I, about that, isn't oh it? Oh <laughs> my gosh, yeah. Because you know, it cuts away all the when you go through any kind of a deep sorrow or a yeah. trauma or a yeah. loss yeah. it's just it's so clarifying it's so it, you, it cuts away all the stuff that who the heck cares yeah and and right. like right. it's easier to have your yes be yes and your no be no mm. and and beautiful things can happen in seasons of pain that i i think it's hard for them to happen any other way and it right. took me a long time to get to the point where i could admit that my view of God was a healthier, more joyful, more whole, more, I, God's goodness was more real to me, mm. not in spite of Katie's death, but because of it. Wow. And wow, I would trade all that Hell, my girl back. Of course she would. Like both things can be true there. Correct. Yeah. They right. are very true there. Yeah. yeah. I think that is one of the, I guess it's the mystery of God's Emmanuelness in our grief and pain is that there are these, there are these like unex, inexplicable treasures in darkness that you wouldn't necessarily like wish on other people. And no. yet you can only go, oh God, you have like met me here and showed up here and showed me yourself here in a way that I didn't understand before this. And I, you can't, you can't do anything except to say like, that's a mystery. And yeah. And thank you. Question mark. <laughs> you know right. What I mean? Like, but what a beautiful, I mean, what a beautiful thing that God has showed up with his presence in your life in the middle of this unspeakable thing. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a weirdness that I, I don't think I'll ever fully understand. No, it's a weird, it's, it's a and mystery. And then I have harder times with things that are not as painful. You know, yeah. I mean, watching, what's ha watching what's happened in our country oh, with evangelical you. Christianity in the last four, four plus years has broken my heart in a zillion little ways totally. and it's been a total theological uh, conundrum for me. I don't understand. I don't understand how this can have happened. And so that's a pain that is an insidious, hard to grab a hold of pain. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in the middle. I don't have any answers. I'm just in the middle of trying to make sense out of it. Where does the church fit in? Where does my relationship with the church fit in? All that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the only thing I just cannot shake uh, is God's goodness. And I, well, I, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it, it, he has been so present consistently yeah. 
and I don't understand. I had to reach the point in grief, and I think many of us have to reach this point where we're not going to try to shoehorn some happy, sappy, yeah, you know, God meant it for good, you know, uh, right, <laughs> right, all of right, those Christian right. Verses we they're, they're beautiful verses. I'm not yeah, yeah. right. We slap it on there as if it's totally. going to remove the pain when, in fact, first, let's get honest about the eviscerating pain. That's right. And out of that honesty, allow God to compost, you know, to compost something beautiful mm. in the soil of our souls. So, oh, that composting is such a beautiful metaphor. I, I think it. I've yeah. already used that once today, but it, it's, so I'm a gardener, good. so I'm, yeah. I compost. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense because the compost is like the the the, the junk, refuge. Right? It's the stuff mm-hmm. you don't want. You would never want to keep. Mm-mm. And yet, it's where it's where the richest stuff happens, and the stuff yeah. that allows beautiful things to grow. So, yeah. you know, we don't have a choice over the pain that comes our way, but we get to choose how to play that hand that has been dealt, you know, mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. We do have that choice. Wow. Hey friends, I I know that so many of you who are listening to this are currently carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. I mean, after all, that's probably what drew you to our podcast. And here's what I know. I know when we start to process what's going on in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain and not really knowing where to go from here. We even begin to, to hear or tell ourselves lies like, this is the end of your story. This will always define you. And trust me, I've, I've been there. But but I've also, as I've come through it, realized that those are just that. They're lies. This doesn't have to define you. This isn't the end of your story. With the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. Listen, at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose in that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start, or if you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take a next step, I want to invite you to a free webinar that I'm hosting just for you. It's called Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story No Matter What You've Gone Through. In this webinar, I'm going to share with you a little bit of my own journey of how God met me and and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm going to teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The webinar is an hour and a half long, but I promise you, it will be well worth your time because in this webinar, you're going to learn how to regain a sense of agency and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of trying circumstances. I'm gonna teach you why having more questions than answers is an essential part of moving forward. I'm also gonna teach you how to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're gonna talk about the one keystone decision that is proven to get you out of your pain. And I'm gonna teach you how to listen to the right voices when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you should do next. And listen, we're going to talk about a ton more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain that you're experiencing, I want you to know you don't have to stay there. I would love to be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. So here's what you need to do. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free webinar. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just click the webinar link on the show notes of this episode. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up, and we're offering multiple date and time options for this webinar in order to work with your calendar. So 
Go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Just click the webinar link that we've included in the show notes of this episode to sign up for your spot on this webinar. I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough that you need to put you on the redemptive path that God has for you. I'm in your corner. I can't wait to connect with you soon. Go ahead and sign up now. Look forward to seeing you. Where do you feel like, I mean, looking back now over the past like decade and a half, where, where are you, you know, like, where are you emotionally? Where are you? I I actually appreciate seeing you still grieve even as you talk, because I do think there's this myth around grief that like you, you should have hit a certain point by now. And obviously you're not where you were 10 years ago. But the fact that like grief stays with us, I think is a really true, true part of grief that not everyone allows for. So I guess I I, just, where are you? How are you today? That's a a great point. I mean, I do this. I mean, hardly ever anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that we're revisiting things that are always going to feel tragic to me. They're tender and they are tragic. And and in fact, grief, I mean, I think it's, if you weren't crying, I'd be like, is she all right? Like, you know, like. (laughs) This is the weight. This is the yeah. gravitas it deserves. This experience. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know, I think I'm in a great space with my with my Katie grief these days. I, mm. you know, she died. Her uh, she died on May 31st. You know, um, in and so in 2008. So it, it was. You know, we just had the 14 year mark. Wow. And it's a tender day for me. It, you know, my husband and I have this joke where. You know, so the the accident, the, the brain aneurysm happened on the 31st. Okay. 9, 9 p.m. that night, she was declared brain dead. In the state of Illinois, you have to do another brain test 12 hours later. So that her, oh. death, certificate, her death certificate says the 1st of June. Wow. And then her surgery was at 1230 a.m. So technically her heart beat its last on the 2nd. So my husband had this kind of a running joke, if you will, a, a, a morbid joke that he grieves on the second and I grieve on the 31st <laughs> and leave it to Katie to hog. Three days. Right, right, right. I'm going to take three days, mom and dad. The I want all this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, so, so th- those days are tender. It's been interesting. Moving to California has changed how I feel, how I experience those days. Because what happens in Illinois, oh, we live in Illinois, yeah. May 31st, you know, you're, you're in Illinois, you know, it's the time of year where you're getting those warm days, that yep. air is starting to smell like freshly mown yes. grass, you're seeing the cottonwoods, you're, you, you, the, the songbirds are back. Yes, it's, it starts experience. to feel like summer, totally. Yes. And right. you feel it. There's a body yes. experience. Yes. So every year for the for the you know how many eleven years that we lived in Illinois after Katie died, I would start to emotionally tense up in my body, physically tense up mm. when May hit mm. because I could feel it coming, and I had this body memory that I had no control over. It was very wow. interesting. Moving to California, where May is completely different, hmm. has I don't have memory anymore, and to be honest. I found that I missed it. I actually missed yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I I know that seems weird because who wants to feel more angst, you know? But <laughs> right. those those feelings remind reminded me of, of Katie and all that we've been through and all that we like it it just has become actually a bit of a little treasure. Yeah. And um so here, you know, it's it's been different. It, 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 
number one, everybody in California, or everybody up in Illinois knew Katie. So they knew who right. we had lost. They right. walked through it with us. Right. We had all these people that like were part of our story. Here, you know, actually one of the little gifts that I think God has given us in this season is that some of our dear friends actually moved down here, took a pastoral role um, at a church about 30 minutes from here. No and so we still get together with them on a regular basis and they knew and loved Katie. And so that's been a real gift, but in general, nobody that. knows, nobody knows what mm. we went through. And so there's an anonymity mm -hmm. for a verbal processor. That's hard. <laughs> really hard. So I'm having yeah. to kind of start from scratch and, and like I, and I don't, again, I don't want my, my life isn't just Katie. Right. Right. But my, but she is a part of my life. It's and a that significant part of your story. Me. And so yeah. there's just not an easy way to get to know people without going down that path. Oh, so yeah, I, I miss tricky. that body memory. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I'm all, I, I'm grateful for the years that I spent getting to grieve my daughter in Illinois mm. and I don't know why it is so different here. I think it's just that it does, it feels and smells and looks and sounds different. Isn't that so fascinating how yeah. much physicality yeah. is part of yeah. that grief and it would make sense. Yeah. I think I would miss that too. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, miss that. You know, I think I think our bodies, our physical bodies, and I think you alluded to this earlier in our conversation, but our, we don't give credit to how much our physical bodies are part of our emotional yeah, totally. process. Yeah, totally. You know, when Katie died, I lost a ton of hair. My thumbnails on my fingers got all wonky. Wow. Like I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't read. Like I, you know, it really does affect you physically. Yep. And um, so I guess I shouldn't be too surprised that I have a different physical reaction down here because all of my sensory intakes yeah. are so different. You know? Oh, it's so so yeah. another fascinating layer to grief. Yeah. yeah. September for our listeners who are just yeah. you know I'm thinking I'm thinking especially of our listeners who've lost children. But I mean, all of our listeners come to nothing as wasted with some pain story. Absolutely. What I mean, do you have any just insight, encouragement? I mean, your whole story is full of wisdom and beauty. So everything you've said is meaningful. I, I just wonder if there's any permission giving you want to give them before we wrap up our time together. That's a that's a great question, and I, I I'm always hesitant to put myself in the in the seat of someone worthy of giving permission into somebody yeah. else's pain story. But from my own experience, I, I guess a couple things pop into mind. One of them is uh, give yourself per not just permission, but encouragement to let it get messy. I think people mm, um, fear. Like, I don't want to cry because then I'll never be able to stop crying. Right. So I hear that a lot from people. I, I, I don't want to cry because I won't be able it's, it's actually not true. Like, I forget what the science is behind it, but after somewhere between seven or 10 minutes of a good hard cry, yeah. you've cried, you really have cried yourself out and your wow. body needed that and you're not going to cry for five days. It's not going to happen. Like, wow. it's, it's a body's natural release. Mm. And so don't fear it, you know, That's embrace good. it. Um, I found great places. The shower is a great place to cry because... Yes. You don't get your makeup on. You're already a mess. You're already a hot right, mess. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I, I ended up crying a lot in my car, you know, because yeah. it was just me. And, yeah, private. Uh, there was some, and yeah, I wasn't going to be disturbing the other kids in the house or whatever. You yeah. Know, so I, I think that one of the things in my book that um, I had to fight for a little bit was uh, I, I chose in, in writing the book, I chose to stay in the narrative stem to stern. I when when, mm. when you particularly if you lose a child, um, or probably if you lose anybody, I don't know, but, but people give you grief books. 
Yeah. And it took me a while before I could focus enough to even read, but eventually I read all those books. I and most grief books have an element of story mm-hmm. and then they have the top 10 of this or the three steps to this or right. there's there's a didactic study yeah. uh how to yeah. piece to it. Yeah. Now it's I I chose to not go there yeah. in my book. I stayed yeah. in the story stem to start because I I do feel like the stuff that I learned the most from, I can't tell you one of the top 10 steps I read, mm. but I can tell you about specific stories and I was able to go, oh, that's me. I wow. identify with that. Or, oh, I don't want to do that. They realized that wasn't meant to help. You know? Wow. Like people, readers are smart. People are smart and people we are. learn from each other. And mm-hmm. it, so I think that when we are okay getting messy in our grief mm-hmm. and particularly being willing to verbally process it with someone and not everybody is a verbal processor right but we do need even if you're an inner processor mm-hmm. you need to find words for what you're experiencing yes like even if it's journaling or writing it down or talking into your Apple Watch, whatever it is, putting it into words because there's so many different layers. It's not just I lost my daughter. Yeah, it's I lost um, a relationship with my daughter's dear boyfriend and and their Mm. family, or I lost the grandchildren I might have had someday, or I lost that posse of friends that they used to always come over and now I don't see them. Or you know, there's all these layers of loss, and until we learn to put into words what some of those layers are, our grief just stays at one level and it can be overwhelming because you it it's so big it's like one big you know that adage about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time right right. grief is that way like if you once you start to quantify it and verbalize it and be willing to get a little messy and real about all the different little things you've lost well now you can take an afternoon and just cry over the fact that you'll never watch her walk down the aisle yeah or whatever the small thing is you know So, so I guess that's September. that's uh, one thing is is to be willing to get messy. Mm. Uh, give yourself permission, you know, find words that you can put to it. And now I have forgotten the second thing I was going to tell you. Well, that was but that was anyway. so I mean that that's so powerful cuz I I do for whatever reason. And I do think this is changed. Oh, I thought of the second thing. Oh, go thing. ahead. Go ahead. Can we cut back? Yeah, in? please, please. Sorry, Tommy. No, no, no. Sorry, back Tommy. In. He lo- he loves us. The second thing, and I feel like I can I can give voice to this because people, I mean, you even mentioned it, you know, the loss of a child, yeah. uh, you know, and, you know, psychologists will tell you loss of a child is way up here in terms of the most uh, challenging of psychological experiences. Yeah. Um, don't quantify your pain. Mm. You know, if okay. you lost a great aunt and you are devastated by it, man, is that every bit as legitimate as the pain that I've been through. That's so good. So um, and if you've lost a job and the ripple effect of that has devastated your life, that is a grief that deserves your time and your energy and your, you know, it, there is no, if you've lost a pet that you love. Now, again, I'm not, I don't want to please yeah. parents who have lost a child. I'm not saying that death of a cat equals death of a child. Right. I'm just, I, I want to give people permission. Mm. All of their grief and all of their sorrow mm. deserves a, a chance to be mourned. And, mm. um, so yeah, don't quantify your grief. Oh, that is such a good, such a good piece of advice. Thank you for that. Loss of yeah. a marriage, way more complicated, 
Right. So devastating. Right. And the layers of grief. The in that. layers of yeah. loss in that. Right. Oh. So yeah, don't give yourself, honor your grief and give it the, the mourning that it deserves. I think that's so good. And I think there's some lie out there saying that that's not being faithful to God, but I actually oh my think gosh. it is the more faithful thing to, yeah. to grieve what you need to grieve. And, and God wants that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. so good. September. Thank you yeah. for that. Hey, so your book Colors of Goodbye is available wherever books are sold or can, can you tell us okay so it's a beautiful book so I just want to mention again Colors of Thank Goodbye and then where can people find you follow you all that <laughs> kind of fun stuff September. you know since I have moved down to California I've I've kind of been a bit of a ghost I haven't I've not done much on social or whatever I yeah. do have a website tobravaji.com you can reach me there you can message me there awesome. I, I respond to every message I get I still get people who have read the book write me their stories and I oh treasure them and it's an honor to hold somebody else's sorrow the way that other people have held mine wow and um so yeah you know that you guys can uh, find me at septembervaudry.com i'm not super active on social these days i may pick that up again at some point but, yeah that actually but, yeah, sounds really I will, healthy i will Maybe answer don't. if people want to reach out for sure <laughs> all right septembervaudry.com again the name of the book of, is colors of goodbye september thanks so much for sharing your story with us and being Aubrey, here today. it's so good to be with you thank you and thanks for creating this space for people it matters it so matters that i mean just the ability to come together with others and to help them steward their pain in redemptive ways that's that's beautiful work that you guys are doing thanks so thank you. you wow that was a just powerful conversation yeah Whew. yeah what wasn't i mean i i think what this thing i appreciate about her is i think i said at the intro it's been two decades i don't think it's quite been two decades about a decade and yeah. a half since she lost her daughter but what i appreciate is she's still so Still so real and raw about yep. her grief. Yep. Even I mean, you heard it, listeners. Like even as we were talking, she was surprised by her own grief and right. how at the surface it was. And and yet here's a woman committed to trying to make a way forward, yeah. experience all that God has for her and for her family while they continue 14 years later. And I think, right. you know, until they meet Jesus face to face, continue yeah. to carry that pain and that grief. So I just really appreciated her wisdom and her um her commitment, I think, right. to even encouraging other people to take step forwards in their grief. Right. Well, you know, I think, so we, right before we got on to record these intros and outros, Aubrey, we, um, I, I was doing a live coaching, and so we were taking questions yeah. from people, and one of the questions that was asked was, how do you uh, see redemption in God's plan even when there is a, like, there's a clear void or space, right? And she yeah. was referencing specifically the loss of a spouse, mm -hmm. and... I think more than almost any other kind of loss, a loss of a child mm -hmm. is going to make that reality very, I mean, it, it confronts that reality so much that because one of the responses that I gave this person, as I said, you've got to, you've got to shift your mindset to recognize that redemption does not mean replacement. There's mm. nothing that's going to replace this empty seat at the table, this void, yeah. right? Yeah. Redemption is in this in the midst of that void, there's a filling. So nothing's mm. gonna replace it, but God can fill. Mm. And then he as okay. Psalm twenty-three uh tells us, he our our cup overflows, right? And so yeah. those two things can be held in tension that nothing's going to like replace this void. And I think child loss presents that tension more than any other loss that I could, you right. know 
that I can imagine. Um, and so anyways, I, I just, I appreciate uh, September's approach to all of this and the fact yeah. that she is, she, she is very real about these triggers that kind of come up and these, mm-hmm. this grief that surfaces even 14 mm-hmm. plus years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, so that helps us who are in like, I'm seven years into grief and I get surprised yeah. by some of this stuff. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute, I right. thought I should be a little bit further along than this. I don't know what's happening right here. So it, speaking of Aubrey, I think that, that we had a couple questions that were asked on our community platform that pertain to this. And I, I really want to bring those forward and, and see what you think about it. Um, someone asked, what do I do? How do I handle those triggers when they come years after the initial loss or trauma? And so mm. this is a perfectly fit question for this. Mm, yeah. What specifically, what do I do? You know, like how like do I pra- handle This is these like things? a practical question. What do I yeah. actually? Yeah, yeah, that's a rough one, Davey. And I, I think you, I would love to hear you speak to that like mm-hmm. years after Amanda's passing. Um, but I, I have a really good friend who's been through a lot of, a lot of grief, lost a child, mm-hmm. uh, going through a very difficult illness right now. And um, when her grief hits her, I'm using her as an example because she's better at this than I am. I tend as a four in the Enneagram, like not to be great at compartmentalizing my grief. Mm. She's actually really good at like, um, when, when she's triggered to kind of evaluate Am I in a safe space right now where I can feel all the things that I want to feel and my my body needs me to feel right, right now, right? right. Um, maybe she's got other kids. Maybe my kids are around and I don't need to hide my grief from them, but I need to like have like a, a good old ugly cry. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to put that on my kids. I want to do that privately. So she's very good at kind of noting, I can tell my body needs to grieve. This, mm. this meal that I'm having, the scent of it has triggered my pain and my grief for some reason because it reminded me of a memory. Mm. Ooh, I'm going to note it, but then she'll kind of go, I'm going to mentally put it on like an uh, like a shelf in my brain or in my wow. soul or whatever. But she is very intentional about later that night, later that week, whenever, wow. finding like almost an appointment with her grief. Like, um, I'm going to spend an hour in the shower, ugly crying or by myself in the car or in my bedroom, whatever it is. And saying, I will make an appointment with my grief because my body is inviting me to do that. God is inviting me wow. to do that. But then after that appointment's done, I'm going to, I'm going to put it back up there and I'm going to go back and be the mom, the career woman, the, the professional yeah. I need to be. And that has always struck me as I could see how some people would think that's unhealthy, but that has always struck me actually is really healthy very much and so. very wise because she's yep. not ignoring. Like she's right. like, no, 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 there there's something in me that's being triggered and I need to honor that. Like, yeah. like my pain is, is needing some attention. My heart is needing some attention. My loss is needing some attention. And I want to, I want to serve my grief and my pain really well, but I just can't do it right now. Mm. I got three little kids running around or I have a deadline or I have. So I'm going to do it later on this week when I can give it the proper wow. due. And I, I think that is a very practical, very yep. practical piece of advice. Easier said than done. But I do think with practice, yeah. That can happen. And well, and again, like we've muscle. talked about, yeah. grief is a, it's a lifelong journey. So it's That's not right. like you have to, you don't have to do it all today. Like right. it's a muscle you you can build. What? Tell yeah. me about your experience of this, Davey. Well, you brought up a couple great points, right? This whole grief thing is a muscle that we can build. In yeah. fact, I think that's an important paradigm shift. Um, this doesn't get easier. Mm. 
I think people will say, well, this just, this gets easier. No, you get stronger. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a weight. This is something that's heavy. This is, this is tough to carry. And mm-hmm. early on in your grief, you don't have the grief muscles or the tools to know how to carry it. And so you're mm-hmm. learning those, which is why it's imperative that you don't try to numb or anesthetize. I think that's, I think September actually talked about that. We don't try to like, you know, cope or manage that pain, but we actually allow those triggers to be invitations from God to step into deeper healing. And so when we accept that invitation and we go there with God, Mm -hmm. then our muscles get built, our grief muscles get built. So now five years later, seven years later for me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, I had my sunglasses on. We were sitting at the beach this, you know, at the time of recording this, it was this past weekend while we're spending time with Amanda's family. It was a big weekend because it's Weston's birthday, Amanda's birthday, and our wedding anniversary all within a matter of four days. So we're sitting at the beach. We were very intentional about like, let's go spend time with her family with, you know, and Mm -hmm. and let's do some camping and let's sit around. Let's talk about Amanda. Let's, let's share memories, you know. I kept my sunglasses mm. on the entire time because I'm just tears oh. welling, you know? <laughs> I bet you did. And mm. it was so meaningful and so special. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't mm. quite put language to it. The fact that I have my wife now, Christy, sitting right next right. to me asking questions about her and just like... It's pretty amazing. What a beautiful and yet also just heart-wrenching thing all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And so you're living in that tension, right? And so it it's not like it was easier than early on in my grief journey being at the Thanksgiving table with Amanda's family. Mm, We're just stronger. Mm, We've leaned into those triggers. We've leaned into those invitations and we've worked through those. And now our grief muscles are, they're they're able to carry and hold the weight Mm. of what we're experiencing right there. Mm. And so I think that's really important to understand. And so, so even then, you know, I'd say, first of all, like, Right now, if you're fresh, like lean into those triggers. That way your grief muscles can grow. Don't put that off, you know, don't keep it at bay. And then later, as you do get surprised still by some of those situations, Mm -hmm. I, I love that piece of advice that you brought forward from your friend. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, what a great practice and exercise. And, um, I think it just is helpful to know, Hey, listen, you are going to be surprised sometimes. So don't be surprised that this will surprise you. Right. That's what I was thinking. I think any, any of that kind of language of like, Oh, I, I thought I would be here by now. I thought it would be further. I should be like, just erase that from your vocabulary. That's, if that's worldly kind of grief advice that says time heals all wounds, like that's not mm, true. Right. And so I just, I don't even want you to put that extra guilt on yourself if you're yeah. carrying that. Like, like Davey said, I mean, grief is heavy. And I, mm. I do think it's a muscle that you build over time. I, I've heard lots of grieving people say it, it never gets easier, but I learn how to carry it. And I that's think it. ultimately you're learning how to let God carry it with you. That's exactly and, right. And that's it. Yeah. Yep. You're learning how to turn it over to the Lord. You're learning how to, and yeah. so right now, if your year is removed and you're seeing, and you don't want to be overwhelmed by this, you don't want to mm-hmm. like, what do you do with these triggers? Well, the same thing you do early on, right? Let those triggers, see those triggers as an invitation from the Lord, inviting right. you into deeper healing. He is gracious mm-hmm. to, uh, for our healing to happen over a process over time. And so as we mm-hmm. begin to heal one part of our, this wounding, he's going to, something else is going to surface, right? Yep. And he's going to allow this just like to drip out over time. So he invites us into deeper healing. So ultimately 
He invites us to become more and more like the image of Jesus that's right. and into this place of shalom and wholeness. And so that that's what Good. I would say. That was such a great question, and I think yeah. it was so appropriate for this conversation. We want to help you with that in any way that we possibly can. We have so many resources available for you at nothingiswasted.com. You can hire one of our certified coaches. You can join our community platform, which is free. You can join Community Plus. You can take the Pain to Purpose course. Um, and we have a ton of conversations, podcast episodes, resources, and a lot of stuff that's that's free for you right there. In fact, pretty soon you're going to be hearing about this new thing, Curated Pathways. Or I am pathways, so excited about this, it. by the way. I'm I'm ecstatic about this because... Give the people a little like a, yeah. l- a little preview. Well, imagine you have somebody who undergoes some kind of specific loss in your life and you're going, well, where do I point them? This is where you point them. So I recently have a had a friend, um, you know, well, let, let, let's think about it this way. You have a friend who's experienced sexual betrayal, mm-hmm. right? Her husband is... Yes cheated on her or something like that, right? Right. right. Uh, or, or some kind of a, a sexual addiction. And this is just yeah. surface. Where do you point them? Well, we'll have a curated pathway for sexual betrayal. Mm-hmm. All of our, all of our content, all of our podcast episodes, all of our master classes, anything dealing with and pertaining to that subject, here's the pathway. And so essentially you sign so up cool. for it and you receive all of that content already curated for you so you don't have to go and search for it. It is just an easy pathway for you to walk. And so that's why we're calling it Curated Pathways. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, If you want to kind of find out more information, you can join our email list. All of that can happen right there at nothingiswasted.com. I'm super excited about this thing unfolding. Yeah, super excited about that. As always, we want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can stream his music wherever it is. Get your music. We also would love to engage with you on social media. You can find and follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn, and at Obsamp. Next week, we have another incredible episode with you. Davy has a conversation with Colleen Chow, and she's going to share her story of, of loss and, and cancer and doing yeah. all of it as a mom, a wife, a writer. Um, this is going to be an incredible conversation. So yeah. let's go ahead and take a listen to part of Davy's chat with Colleen Chow. In that time, my health, it just unraveled. And then I I had this beautiful little baby boy who had massive health issues. Mm. And so at that point, I remember writing like, God, here are the things I've prayed for and waited for and asked you for. And now I feel like I can't even enjoy them Mm. because of all these crazy things that continue to unfold. Um, But again, he was taking me deeper. And then we wow. had, um, when Jeremy was six, he's almost 11 now, in a few weeks. When he was six, wow. we had um, a summer where there were like five or six weeks of health, both him and me. After that um, little window of health, I found a little lump um, and found out I had cancer. So we went through that journey, got the all clear, um, and then last year, Um, found out it was back, and this time it was stage four terminal. Mm. 